20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, the worst 13-3 and team of all time, Pack-A-Day Podcast edition, two years in a row. I'm Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. And you can find uh, my co-host here, Ross Unglum, on Twitter at Ross Unglum. Ross, I'm like stumbling over my words because I'm so giddy about the way this season has played out for our Packers. And before we get into this show, I'm not the type of person that really loves to dance on the graves of people with terrible takes. But it's overwhelming, Ross. It's overwhelming to look on Twitter, to look at your bookmarks, things that you maybe read in the offseason about people in the media talking about this team, talking about the regression of this team, talking about you know how Matt LaFleur, this is going to be the year that we really see his true colors, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be running the show on this team, that they pick Jordan Love, Brian Gutekinds can't draft, all of that. And it's all wrong because this team – is 13 and 3 once again. They're a better 13 and 3 team and they look like they actually have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year, Ross. I know last year this 13 and 3 team was nice and I think a lot of the consensus for a lot of people was this is a two-year rebuild. Well, we're in year 2, Ross, and I feel good about this team. I feel really good about this team. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be pretty optimistic if you're a Packers fan like I I get it, you know, um it was quiet they went with a quarterback in round one, historically supposedly good receiver class. Uh, I think it'll come, you know, but Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool kind of were the top end of that. Or you didn't see like a ton of instant impact, but that's the receiver position. And then they go with a tailback who, who barely gets on the field um, in round two and a, a H back who shreds his knee after two weeks in round three. Plus the only signings are, Christian Kirksey, who was bad until he wasn't, and Devin Funches, who opted out, and then uh, you know the uh, the immortal Rick Wagner, who has actually been just absolutely excellent, and it looks like a masterstroke um, as Bulaga was really unable to stay healthy yet again. Um, but you just saw, you know what you saw, you know, he's spicy Ted. That's that's been always been our thing, right? He's spicy Ted. There are little additions. Um, you know, to the roster where, where sometimes with Thompson there weren't. But what you got with Thompson is now what you're getting with Gutekunst, and that is, uh, you know, big, big time second and third year leaps. Marquez Valdez Scantling, yes, he dropped a bomb yesterday. He also turned into a six-touchdown, 700-yard receiver. Um, Jair Alexander is now the best corner in football. And last year's little duo of – uh Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage couldn't have looked any better over the last half of the season and uh, were really exciting players heading into the 2021 season into their year three jumps. So I, I think you just you just have to feel great about, um, you know, the direction of everything. And, and I think you really nailed it, Jake, when you said, like, look, we knew unless something bad happened to the 49ers and probably something bad to the Chiefs that last year's team was living on a wing of prayer. You look at Football Outsiders, number one team right now, it's Green Bay Packers, 
playoff odds wise. You look at Justice Mosqueda's uh, ANYA rankings. Number one team, Green Bay Packers. I mean, they're probably not the betting favorite, but they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. They should and can and could win the Super Bowl, which is not, I don't think, anything we would have uttered uh, in, in 2019 at all. I think you need to give credit to all the guys that that deserve the credit. And I think it starts at the top with Mark Murphy. And we talked about him in the, in the pre-production meeting. You know, why did Packer fans really hate this guy? Or maybe not hate, hate's a really strong word, but why was there so much distrust with Mark Murphy? And I think it, it makes sense when you look at it from the, or through the lens of what has he done? You know, it, can we trust this guy to basically lead this Packers team into a new era of football? And I, I get it, you know, like they're, there is, there should be some distrust there because you haven't seen him do it. But all he's done is bring in Brian Gutenkunst, who's been uh, a very good GM. He has this team on the brink of a Super Bowl um, run. And then Matt LaFleur, who's, for my money, the best young coach in the National Football League right now. And the numbers back that up. So you have to first give him credit. He deserves it. He, he absolutely hit a home run with both of those hires. And then looking, looking at Goody, at his draft classes and what he's been able to do, um, I mean, I was tweeting this out the other day, Ross, when you go back and look at some of the stuff, like we, they just played the Bears and you go back and think they wanted to give up two first round picks for Khalil Mack. And we would have been ecstatic. I would have been pumped about that. I would have, and, and don't get me wrong, Khalil Mack is a fantastic player. This is more of a, a luck, kind of a stroke of luck for the Packers. But not getting Khalil Mack allowed them to sign Zadarius Smith, allowed them to sign Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner. Uh, and then those first-round picks are Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, and Jordan Love. That, so far, the only guy we don't really know about is Jordan Love, who, by the way, if he hits like all those other guys have, it doesn't matter. He's he's the only guy we're talking about in 20 years. So, it's just incredible what they've been able to do and how they've been able to construct this roster just because of that one little thing that we were all really upset about. Like, how could you trade him to the Bears? We wanted him. He could be the guy to set us over the top. You know, a a bunch of players can set this team over the top for the Packers is is what's going to happen. And you talk about the last half of this football season, the last eight games. And um, and actually, before I get into that, because I have this stat pulled up in front of me right now, in, in Khalil Mack's first two seasons with Chicago, 132 pressures, 22 sacks. Very good numbers for, for two seasons from an edge player. Zadarius so Smith's first two seasons in Green Bay, 158 pressures, 32 sacks. Like unbelievable production from Zadarius Smith. But Talking about the defense, talking about total pressures. This defense, Russ, deserves credit. They've been actually very good the second half of this year. And not just like good against bad teams. They absolutely took the number one scoring offense to the woodshed two weeks ago. And they shut down a Bears team for lack of better words, has been hot lately on offense. They this was the first game in four in, in five weeks. They haven't put up a 30 burger on a team. And they were just absolutely crushed, suffocated by this defense. And I think you can point to this, Ross, when you look at, well, I guess you can point to a couple things, but one thing that I'm staring at right now on my screen, Packers total pressures, first eight games of this season. Now I'm talking total pressures, hits, hurries, 
uh, all that stuff. First eight games, 88, which is bottom half of the league. Last eight games, 138 total pressures, which is top third of the league. So I think, Ross, if you want to point to what this defense has been able to do, I think that's it right there. And you look at the edge rushers themselves, first eight weeks, Zadarius Smith, 23 pressures. Last eight weeks, 28. Zadarius Smith is solid. He's just rock solid, awesome player, been good the whole season. But you look at the first eight weeks, Rashawn Gary, only 11 pressures. Preston Smith, only 10 pressures. Last eight weeks of the season, Rashawn Gary, 28 pressures from Rashawn Gary in the last eight weeks of the season. Preston Smith bumps his number up to 16. Some of that is Kenny Clark being healthy again as well. But Ross, what are your thoughts on this defense and just what they've been able to do to to turn things around and to look like a, te- a, a, a squad that the Packers can actually trot out there and be comfortable with? Because these are words I never thought I would say. Yeah, I mean, no question about it, man. Like, disruption is king. And that is what has been going on with the Green Bay Packers and, you know, kind of what we've talked about and what I've talked about is being good at the key positions on defense and defensive line, edge, corner, and safety. Um, and, and, you know, making people real mad by not valuing inside linebacker. And the reality is that they've got just passable play from their inside linebackers, but Kenny Clark morphed back into Kenny Clark. Kingsley Kiki has been good when called upon. I think Snacks Harrison might be the missing piece just as far as, you know, reducing the Lancaster Lowry snaps as much as they can once Kiki comes back. Chandon Sullivan morphed back into Chandon Sullivan, which has been really fun to watch. And then, you know, the, the safeties and Jair are basically playing at an all pro level right now. I personally would just put Kadar Holman across from Jair Alexander and tell him to play press and just call the other, you know, 10 guys. But, um, you know, right now they have so few weak links on on uh, defense. And it's funny, you watch, you know, teams that don't play them a ton. I don't know if they realize it. Like, you, you could definitely see uh, NFC opponents and NFC North opponents attack Kevin King. Both Detroit and Chicago did it. Tennessee kind of forgot to do it, and that was a huge problem for them. And one of the reasons I think that one of the better offenses in the league struggled so mightily. But I will say, I mean, I was there are a number of uh, games in the first half of the season where I got on after a win and said, this is all great, but nothing has changed my mind and made me believe that the Green Bay Packers can win the Super Bowl because Mike Pettin and the defense are still a problem. I don't know if I'm here to endorse Mike Pettin, but he has made an adjustment. And I think from some stuff that I've read, like it happened after the Bears win. Some some schematic changes or some just idea changes, some suggestions that came from players. And right now, as with Capers, who won them a championship but was never really believed in, was ultimately let go. I just... I believe. I think that they are good enough. Uh, I don't think that they're at the level that the 2010 defense was at, but I think this Packers offense is quite a bit bigger than better than that offense. People go back and you know say I'm nuts, but you got to remember Randall Cobb wasn't on the team. Jordy Nelson wasn't Jordy Nelson yet. Yeah, of course he had some really cool times in the Super Bowl and et cetera, et cetera. But Jordy wasn't Jordy yet. Uh, James Jones was struggling with the drops a little bit. Jennings was awesome, um, but 
Finley had blown out his knee, you know, and so they were basically operating without a tailback and without a tight end. Now they've got all these title tailbacks. They've got Robert Tunyon. Devontae Adams is way better than Greg Jennings ever was. And ultimately, I think this offense has a higher ceiling than that offense. Even if the defense never get quite catches up, it's still good enough. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And that's kind of been my sentiment as well all year. And I think if you go back and maybe want to freezing cold takes me, I think I said it after the Indianapolis game. This defense is going to ultimately break our hearts in the in the playoffs. And I, I do want to walk that back. And, I, and that's what I mean. I never thought I would get to this point this season, but they, they've earned it. They've, they've played really well. And like you said off air, we've been talking about it all year. They've always had the guys. They've always had the dudes on defense. And that's what was so perplexing was why can't they put it together? Well, it seems like they are putting it together and they're doing it at the right time. So that's really interesting. One one other key thing that I think is really important to what this defense is doing is, is the safety play. You go back to week nine through 17, the top two graded safeties um, per pro football focus are number one, Adrian Amos, and number two, Darnell Savage. That's in the NFL. That's not just NFC North, NFC, you know, per snap. That is everybody. That And so I think you look at that and say they're, you know, combine that with the the pass rush and now you have two guys two playmakers and I want to make that clear two playmakers at the safety position Adrian Amos I don't know what that guy has to do more to be considered just a, a dead-ass playmaker I mean he, he again made two huge plays three if you want to count that big hit on Mooney uh on third and one that ultimately led to the fourth and one that that ended that forever long drive that the bears had with zero points. Um, so he's, he's just, I mean, he's been one of the best players in the uh, defensive players in the league this year. I mean, he, he's solid. He makes plays. I don't know what else he possibly needs to do. Another guy, as I'm just kind of uh, scrolling through Twitter right now and Ross, uh, I know you'll get a kick out of this because you're a huge FCS guy. Dominique Daphne. Hey, what, what in the heck are you kidding me? Who is this guy? Uh, the the Indiana State Sycamore. There there is a trivia question for you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers throwing two touchdown passes in a game to two different Indiana State Sycamore tight ends. Wow, wild. Good for that guy. I think I posted. Um, you go look at that dude's Twitter bio. He, his pro day. 
looks like my dad recording me playing basketball in middle school. And it's him basically just saying, give me a chance. Somebody give me a chance. And that dude just caught a touchdown from the league MVP in week 17 for the number one seeded Packers. Pretty cool stuff. Do you know much? I mean, give me, I don't, I don't follow. I mean, I, I like my bison, but I know you follow the Missouri Valley pretty closely. Who is, who is Dominic Daphne? Is he a guy that was even on your radar as a draftable player? No, no. And and that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, Dominic Daphne was a, a pretty, frankly, not much of a, a threat. I mean, um, this this guy just you know he was a like a he I think he ran for 430 yards and uh caught 200 yards worth worth of balls he was like a like a like a gadget player for you know uh, uh Indiana state team that didn't win a lot of games um and I think you know he was a transfer I believe he actually played a little bit um, at Iowa and was somewhat functional for them as well as a special teamer, but, you know, never really made it. Uh, and, and like I said, is, is a dude that, um, I, I don't know, they just, n- nobody ever figured out what he was and how to use him. And ultimately, um, like I said, if, if you're going to be, at Indiana State, where you're you're not one of the better programs in FCS, certainly not uh, one of the better programs in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, you need to be like, or you should, in theory, be like a dominant player that that pops off. When somebody said Dominic Daphne, as somebody who's you know watched every North Dakota State game like three times over the last ten years. I had to go back and figure out who he was. And so, yeah, no, not a draftable player. I mean, you and I try to educate the world about James Robinson, but you knew about James Robinson for a reason. Dominic Daphne was like a gadget player for one of the worst teams in the conference. Yeah, it's it's truly bizarre, man. But good for and not that he's taken the world by storm either, but in the Packers offense, they need that guy. You know, they they went through that was supposed to be DeGuara. Then it was supposed to be John Lovett. And now here we are on Dominique Daphne catching touchdown passes, making key blocks and 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 making huge tackles on on special teams. It's it's awesome to see. And that's why you love sports is because of stories like that where guys come out of just absolutely nowhere and potentially set themselves up to to make a to make a, a name for themselves in the National Football League. So uh, good on Dominique Daphne. I hope uh, he has a long career with the Packers because he is quite the story and, and quite the guy to root for. Uh, but Ross, moving on to speaking of you know blocking and and losing David Bakhtiari, let's touch on that just really quick because I think if you go look at this team, and and we said it before on here, Billy Turner last year was was laughed at, was mocked. For, for the contract that he signed with the Green Bay Packers, not just by Packers fans, but by media, by people that have watched him play this and that. And here we are, week 17, one seed, David Bakhtiari goes down. He steps over to left tackle against a, a really good Bears front. And the Packers offensive line, especially in pass pro, seemingly don't miss a beat, Ross. Is this offensive line good enough to 
to basically continue to ride this wave of dominance uh, by the Packers front on offense and continue to ride that all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're good enough. And I wrote about it today and after further review, check it out over at Packer Report. But they're never going to be as good of a football team without David Bakhtiari as they are with him. Um, It allows them to be deeper up front. You know, allows Rodgers not to really worry about backside pressure ever. And, you know, you did see uh, Billy give up three pressures from that side, but that's three. You know, it's 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 workable. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, Jake, they just have to win three more times. And I know that sounds simplistic, but that's the truth. Like, they just have to hold together for three more times. And um, ultimately, they've got a super sub ready to rock in John Runyon Jr., after that, I think things get a little terrifying, but uh, they have earned this flexibility and they have earned the ability uh, to kind of roll out these these different groups. And it's a good thing Corey Lindsley came back, obviously. Um, I think it's a huge deal because they still, in my opinion, go six deep and can sustain one more injury uh, if that were to happen. But they're good enough, and and that's what matters. And and on the Billy Turner thing, man, I, I, even when he wasn't playing well, and and you you know people know you and I are both North Dakota natives. I'm friendly with Billy. I wish him nothing but the best. And but but even from an unbiased point of view, when he was a league average guard, I didn't understand the vitriol around the contract. Like that's what starting offensive linemen make is seven million bucks. Now. You know, he's playing like what he always have been, which is the super utility offensive lineman. And he's above average or average at every position but center. He's invaluable. And and it, right frankly, if they were to release him, somebody would offer him 10 or 12 million bucks a year would be my guess. And that's probably on the low end. Um, it's a phenomenal value signing at this point. And I can't even imagine where they'd be you know, without number 77 right now, because it's it's not a very fun place. Say the Packers win three games and they win the Super Bowl. Billy Turner will be a guy that will always be, yeah, always be revered Immortal. in Green Bay because, as the Immortal. guy that was able to step in and basically keep that team, keep that offensive line and keep 12 up, to, up you know, intact, up, upright. This generation's Bruce Wilkerson. Absolutely. And and here, and I'm here for it, man. That that would be awesome because you go back then and look at and look at that 2019 free agent class. And I mean, he did Goody didn't miss. And say what you want about Preston Smith. He's he's not he has not had the same 2019 season, but these last eight weeks, he's he's been he's been good. He's been a good player. Especially with the fact that they're rotating in Rashawn Gary with him, who's taken a leap. So, just the way they've been able to construct this roster is just so gratifying to see this team win. And honestly, it reminds me, Ross, of the 2010 season, where that when they won the Super Bowl, not just because they could potentially win a Super Bowl, but just because that entire entire year was just a revenge tour for Packers fans, because that was the year that Rodgers really proved that they made the right choice with moving on from Favre. That was the year they went in and actually beat Minnesota and kind of got, you know, the boogeyman off their backs. And it's just, I mean, it was just so vindicating. And this season, that's exactly what 
I feel like this year when you go back and look at look at my my bookmark tweets and there's some that I just I just haven't tweeted yet because because I just don't want to start that. But you know, like seeing seeing guys that write for like a major grading uh, outlet saying things like "How heavy is the G now?" question mark Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's it's not that heavy. In fact, I'd say I think Nagler actually responded light as a feather, and that was you know several months ago, and he could not have been more right. Absolutely light as a feather. It's a great day to be a Green Bay Packers fan. It's uh, you know we're setting ourselves up here for another playoff run, and I don't know how many more Aaron Rodgers has. So you know, as he gets older, I think there's something to be said about really appreciating this as well, and really appreciating what he's been able to do. I mean, my God, I never thought we would see a 2011 season again from a quarterback, and if we did, I thought it'd be from Patrick Mahomes. And lo and behold, 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers was able to basically touch, reach out and touch greatness again. That 2011 season is, is basically the gold standard for quarterback play in the National Football League. And even as good as Patrick Mahomes is and has been, he hasn't played really to that level yet. And Rodgers now has done it twice. So it, it's, just, it's just fun you know, to watch the old man do it. And I'm just really here for this playoff run. I'm really here, Ross, to play the Bears again. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but, Ross, any any other thoughts you want to get out before um, before we let everybody go here? I know you uh, you did your rewatch today. You talked about going and checking that out over at PackerReport.com. Is there anything that really stood out to you that you want to talk about? You know, Rashawn Gary keeps slashing, man. I mean um... – him and Z could be something pretty wild next year. Uh, I think, you know, it's pretty obvious Preston's not going to be back and Dean Lowry's not going to be back. And, um, man, if they can get a, a cheap, you know, veteran rusher or take somebody in the top 60 to pair with them as kind of a third guy uh, and just keep the snap count down a little bit from just a raw power standpoint – Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary are, are pretty darn scary. It's a handful. Yep, they're an absolute handful. And uh, I'm looking forward to basically Gary just being unleashed next year. Let's Just let's see what he can do. Um, but, Ross, thanks for joining me, bud. Um, in a couple of weeks, I suppose we'll be back here again talking about a playoff victory in the divisional round. So, um, until then, guys, uh, like I said, just enjoy it. Enjoy the little things with this team. As much as I love Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers is special. He's your MVP. He is the most talented right arm on the planet. He's the best quarterback currently on the planet. So just soak it up because there are 31 other fan bases that would love to have the type of season that Aaron Rodgers just put together for your enjoyment. So do that. Do just that. Enjoy it. And, guys, until next time, go back up. (laughs) 